0: Hi, and welcome to the Living in Harmony Family Ministry Podcast, where parents are at the forefront of raising their kids. We exist to help families create a biblical culture in the home while navigating the culture in the world. That being said, welcome to the show. Welcome back to Living in Harmony. We hope, whatever you're doing today, that this podcast makes it a little bit better. We hope that you are having a good day. My name is Delmar. I'm Robert. I'm April. And yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. And like always, really quick I'd love to hear what you guys got up to this weekend.
1: Well, this weekend... this week. Well, yeah, this week. So this week we had some people over, and um, I smoked a brisket, which was pretty tasty.
2: And we ate it. It was really good. And... You know, I don't know. I think I think a smoked brisket is one of my love languages, probably growing up in Texas. But we had some of our most favorite people in the world over and it was fun. It was Valentine's Day and we got to spend it with some of the people um, that we just that we love to do life with.
0: And I was lucky enough to be part of those people. Yes, you were. That was something we did in our family this week. We went to your house and ate brisket and real talk. I am very grateful that it was on valentine's because that took a big load off of what are we gonna do on valentine's day and you know as we were riding home i was thinking i saw my wife we're riding my outback longhorn and i'm just like i am so glad that we went to friend's house to eat tonight and not that whole situation because every there's lines and it's like ah it's like it's a it's a forced holiday of romance and i'm like you know i really like getting together with friends so yeah that's what we did this week too we kind of went over there and and we did that just for you. I mean, just for you. Man. <laughs> well, <I'm
2: sure. laughs> you know, a long time ago, I think we decided that, um, you know, when we were early in our marriage, we would, you know, of course, I always wanted to go out somewhere for Valentine's and, you know, that was just part of the whole, you know, this is how you show me that you love me. And... um we realized a recurring theme of super packed restaurants, super long wait for your food to show up. Sometimes by the time you got there until your meal showed up, it could be 30 to 40 minutes, bad service overstressed waiters. And so we just realized, you know, let's not go out for Valentine's and we have a better, we have a better meal experience and just a better time. We made some good memories. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was fun.
0: And then, uh, The brisket was awesome and the cobbler, man, I violated a principle (laughs) and I felt really bad. So the cobbler gets brought out of the oven, right? And it's just sitting on the counter. And like a girl brought it out in the oven. I thought she had brought it to cook it. I'm like, she's obviously trying to serve this, but everybody's talking so much. I'm like, I'm not going to insult this poor girl and let her cobbler go untasted. So I grabbed the, (laughs) you know, I loaded up on some cobbler. And then April comes around. She goes, "What happened to the cobbler?" I'm like, "What? (laughs) I don't know. What happened? Somebody ate some of it." And I'm like, with the spoon in my mouth, "What are you talking (laughs) about?" Because evidently it's supposed to sit. Well, it sat. It sat right in my mouth with smoke and steam. It was so good. It would. It's the kind. This is how I grade cobbler. If I need ice cream then the cobbler is not there. I didn't even need, it's kind of like steak. I don't need sauce on my steak unless you didn't do your job cooking it. That's right. right. Or I didn't do my job. That cobbler was awesome, April. So anyways, it was good. And actually, um, it's funny that, you know, we met this past week because what we're going to talk about today kind of birthed out of me having dinner at your house. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm sitting, you know, in your living room and there's this photo on the wall, Sola de Gloria. I'm like, that's really nice. And it's like painted. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then I go sit in your dining room, and uh, we're looking out, and there's this, like, water painting. And then I just asked you, I was like, where do you get this? And you're like, my daughter paints it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you serious? Mm. And, and that really got, us, got, got me thinking about something that I think is a pretty good conversation to have uh, in our family. So today, let's go ahead and move into In Your Family, because I think this is a pretty good conversation. You ready? Ready. ready. All right. So, yeah, art in your family. I know on the front end, some people are going to hear that. They're going to get so excited. And some of you are going to be like, oh, no, these hippies are taking over the channel. And they want to <laughs> talk about their subjective opinions and art. No and yes. But, you know, regardless of what anyone thinks of him, one of my favorite musicians is John Foreman. He's the lead singer from Switchfoot. And I've had the opportunity to talk with him a few times. And one time um, I was at a concert. His He shared this quote, and I thought it was really good. And it said this, that art is that one space where the will of God interacts with the sovereignty of man. I think that's a fantastic quote because, you know, us sitting around this table, we're all high sovereignty people. God is an author. He is in control. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the question is, well, where does man come into that? Where does our expression? And I think art is one of the most beautiful things because God is literally interacting with us where we're at in our person and calling this art out. I just, Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so when I see like the art on your walls, especially one that's directly, you know, echoing the truths of God, I'm like, there's something very holy in that. And I think a lot of times as parents, um, and, and I'm, I'm not, this isn't an indictment. This is something I've seen Is a lot of times. Well, art is we sign our kids up for band class or we send them to art, but there is, an amazing opportunity if you're a parent when it comes to interacting with the arts, a gospel opportunity, salvation opportunities, in addition to just having some common things to talk about. So that being said, I want to open up, you know, this conversation. Art can be, you know, music. It's uh, it's drawing. It's, it's the expression of humanity um, as reflecting their creator because our God made things. You know he is in his own right an artist, so when we do that, we're we're copying him. So I would love just to hear how has this conversation permeated in your family over the year, um, and and what impact does it even have in today? Well, it's I mean, you
1: know, we talked about we actually talked with our with 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 our kids about this a little bit as we were as we were prepping for this because one of the things about you know kids being uh, our children being the ages they are is we can now ask them how you know how did these things land, you know, these things that we, we think we were trying to do, did it actually work the way, you know, did it actually work the way that, that, that we think it did? And, and, um, you know, so the question we asked was how did, you know, how do you foster creativity in kids? How do you get kids to aspire to that, that, that thing you were just talking about, about reaching upwards towards, towards beauty, towards excellence in something? Um, and it was, it was really interesting to, to just kind of get their perspective. And, and one of the things was, you know, just give them time to do that, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so if you have, uh, you know, you have to build that into your schedule and, and for us, it was part of the, part of the educational process. It's part of how we designed the curriculum. That was, that was part of what we added in there, but, but just building that time in and then giving them space to, uh, you know, to, to let that play out however your, however your kid does it.
2: Well, I think also, I mean, I, I know, um, the arts, like, especially like, you know, fine arts, that, that was important to me growing up. It was um, important to Robert growing up. We experienced it in somewhat different ways. Um, I started t- doing, uh, taking piano lessons when I was five and just still to this day, um, have, piano has been with me ever since. And, um, you know, I was in orchestra in in um, middle school and high school, um, I played the harp in orchestra and um, was in choir. Um, and so we just have always had a love for arts. And, and the, the. I totally agree with you about the um, – just I am in awe regularly when I um, hear um, – just fantastic music. Um, and, And I like classical music too. I mean, just from my upbringing, I mean, I can listen to a Beethoven symphony and be, I mean, brought to tears because to me, it's just such an amazing display of what you were talking about God and his, his, his will and his creativity and the way he has given us the ability to, um, to even participate in artistic and creative things, it's just to me, it's it's an amazing, amazing gift. Um, and so I know, like with like with our kids, making that time available for them included for us. It included things like, um, you know, I taught I taught my kids some piano um, when they were younger. Of course, there's kind of a joke about a lot of piano teachers can teach everybody's kid except their own. Right. And so I taught piano lessons for 20 years. But when it came to teaching my own kids, I eventually I had to actually sign them up with piano lessons with a a friend of mine who was also a piano teacher. Um, so that there could be a, I knew that, you know, we wouldn't say, well, we can do that later. We'll do that later in the day. And we just don't get to it. So I made time. I, that was an intentional thing to still make sure they got exposed to that. And I know like our daughter was in dance um even with like the competitive speech and debate that they participated in, in in middle school and high school there were some some of the speech categories that they participated in definitely had an artistic element to it some of them were much more theatrical and and um you know our youngest our youngest kid especially got involved in a Shakespeare class in high school um with like a local homeschool group that we participated in and they would build sets and practice and and put on Shakespeare productions at the end of the year that we still like to go to those our kids are all grown and out of it now but there's that those that class is still going and we still like to go every year and see the and, and see the Shakespeare plays and I think a lot of those things just kind of help and you don't have to be involved in all those things and there's other types of things you can get involved in I think we even had them um, take an art class um, a couple of different times and just like a I think it was maybe like an eight week, an eight week art class. Maybe it was a 12 week art class. And I think that taught our kids some foundations that I wouldn't have known to teach them. And I mean, I think that just sort of helped unlock some, some giftedness that God had given them and they just have run with it since then.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to art, like under the understanding of like we were talking about, connecting it back to the, the ultimate creator. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, that's his name. He even gives his own self. And that he would let us participate in that at all is fantastic. And one of the things that is just so unique about art is because, you know, when you look at scripture, how much of it is artistic expression? A lot. This, obviously, we initially think about the Psalms, but how much poetry is in Scripture? Mm-hmm. And even in, in New Testament Scriptures, there's entire songs and hymns sang in the middle of some of these books that are written.
2: And even the structure in some of the some of the books and some of the letters and the way things are written, there, there's an artistic, there, there's a structure to it that um, um, sometimes there's like a symmetry of, right. of structure as, you know, starting at uh, certain books of the Bible, moving into the middle of that and out to the end. And when I started to realize that, that was even just amazing to me.
0: And I think one of the things that, to kind of go back to just the nature of art itself, all humans make art. We all, we do, you go back to cave paintings, there's art. And one of the things that can be intimidating for a parent today, if we get on a practical level, is, oh my gosh, some of the art Is by definition God awful, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, I mean, we just went through the the Grammy things a few weeks ago where they dressed up like Satan and perform a ritual. Some of that's shock value, but they are expressing something, right? They're expressing the nature of their heart. I personally think that they're an active suppression of God. So if you're going to suppress something you know to be reality, you have to hate that thing and deny reality mm-hmm. so how do we interact with that and and I was I was looking at that something came to my mind I wanted to just to put out there and run past y'all and it's it's not just art it has to do with culture in general but I think it's so good when it comes to art when it, when it comes to art there's three ways to handle art and the first one is we receive it right because some art is worthy of reception you know some of this um some of this, I mean, the the songs we sing in church on Sunday, right? We look at some of the art that's been done over the years. We should just, it's fine to receive it. And then there's other art we should reject. We should reject certain things uh, because they go against the teachings of what we believe. They go against our core. And then there's a third element, and I really love this, and that is redeeming. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Like, He is the God of redemption. And uh when it comes to art some art we can redeem for God's purposes um i'll give you an example last night so i i like i like classic rock a lot like i'm a i play guitar so i've always liked it and i've decided i wanted to share some of what i consider to be the greatest songs with my children and not like there are great songs that are deep cuts you all know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. but then there are just like great songs that are amplified if they know why so yesterday, I pulled up the live show of Leonard Skinner Freebird. And I told my son, I said, listen, uh, we're going to watch this song. You're probably not going to like it at first, but then you're going to love it. And because you know how that song goes. I mean, it, it, the last six minutes is just like mind melting. It's amazing. But it's really neat because I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, he doesn't understand Freebird about him leaving and being his, his own, you know, he break up hard and stuff. So I was just sitting there saying, okay, like, how can we, I want to do this and not just be dumb. Cause he's not going to want to listen to the first half. So I, as, as the, as he's singing, I said, Hey, you see that guy singing right there? He's like, yeah. I was like, you know, he died. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, he died in an airplane crash. See that guy playing guitar. He was in the airplane with him. And then my son just like looked at him and he's like, they're dead now. And then I was able to, Yeah, so let's you know we had a little kind of like just pulling it out, you know, saying yeah we all die, son, got to be ready, and then we had that little moment, and then you know melting shredding guitars came out and it just like the the, the glory of God filled the room. It was great, (laughs) (laughs) but you know when it comes to art, there are some things that should be rejected, um, and then there's some things that can be redeemed, and I and I wonder if there's any ways. I know Robert, I've heard of you doing this even in in TV. Because right? TV t- television is acting, which mm-hmm. is artistic and I've heard how you you use even ungodly stuff to not redeem the art but to reject the art and redeem a biblical principle out of it. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah I mean we do that and, and I think it's important you know one of the things that we talk about in you know both literature and television and movies, the writer, the author, the the director, they're always trying to do something because everybody recognizes at a deep, deep level, art is worship. It means something deeply. You know, that's why the Grammys do what they do. That's why musicians do what they do. That's why people talk about even people with no concept of spirituality. When they, when they get into some artistic pursuit, it just stirs that in us. It's, and I think it's part of that, um, part of that image of God in each of us that, that, is unpacked when we do something artistic and do something creative. But yeah, what we were talking about, um, my kids have joked that, that I have ruined a great many movies and TV shows for (laughs) them because, you know, we'll do things like, uh, transformers is one of my, one of my greatest examples is, you know, we were watching a, a transformers animated thing one time and, and right in the middle of it, I pause it. It's like, Oh, do you see what just happened there? They're just saying that, you know, uh that the autobots and the decepticons are part of this you know omnicron and, and and cybertron are these two you know e- uh, equal and opposite um you know equal and opposite good and evil and they're always in balance and if one of them gets too powerful then the other one has to come back out. you see what worldview that is and and the kids are like dad but <laughs> uh, but it but it's come back out and and it's funny that uh, all all of our kids have come back and, and some of their friends too have come back and said, Yeah, you ruined that thing for me, because now I always hear that in my head when I see that. But <laughs> but they see the worldview, right? Because the artist is trying to do something. They're trying to take you to a place. Mm-hmm. The, for that's the same reason that the Psalms are in scriptures, because God's trying to take us to a place. He's trying to build us into a relationship, our souls with Him. And and an artist is doing that. And so that's why a lot of the great art. Um, in the Western tradition, a lot of the great art is religious because that was the thing that the artists, even even artists, when you read about their lives, they weren't particularly religious people a lot of times. And a lot of times they were pretty hideous people, but they recognized those, those deep truths that they were trying to call people to.
0: Yeah, so when it comes to this, and that's one of the things I love about taking your kid into the culture but holding their hand while they're there, not like literally, but metaphorically, and, and all the while encouraging creativity in the middle of it. And, and I think that's important. And I also would say, aside from encouraging creativity, another thing that we're, we, it's important for us to do would be we should also seek to inspire them with actual great art. Because if we don't expose our children to things that are of high quality, they're going to find it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be the dollar general version of it. Right. Um, more often than not. You know, until they have established worldview that's strong. So inspire um get them in front of great art. I know I remember the first concert I went to ever was a quarter of a mile from where I live today. It was at a place called Patriot Hall. My mom took me there when I was like ten. I became a Christian when I was nine. So I'm like, no, I'm just like I was like eight. I wasn't even a believer. She took me there. It was a band called Watermark. They're an old school Christian band in the middle of the set all the power goes out at Patriot hall (laughs) and they just sit down on stage and play the guitar Mm -hmm. and they're singing hymns. And I'm like, I was eight. I remember that. And my mom kind of set the stage for that. And then she took me to a Carmen concert. That's where I met Jesus. You know, it's like art does, it's not just for entertainment. And I think that's something that separates Christians possibly from other parts of the world is um, music is, at the end of the day, I can appreciate a musician. It becomes, wow, he's great, he's aspirational. This is quality entertainment. But what we get to do as Christians is we get to trace it all the way back to the originator of art. We get to appreciate it. Um, John Piper calls this Christian hedonism, right? Mm-hmm. I get to like have enjoyment and fulfillment and everything even art because I know where it truly comes from. So being able to pull your kids into those spaces. Um, and then another thing that that I would put in here and I, I know you've done this in your house and you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but when it talks about create a supporting environment for art to happen, sometimes this we say that and you're like, who, is that scary because I'm encouraging my kid to express themselves and sometimes that can be terrifying, right? But what I would ask you is what are some things that parents can actually do to create a supportive environment of artistic lifestyle and expression in their home?
2: Well, on a very practical level, you can supply them with tools and things that they can have to work with. And I know uh, one of the things that that we often did like at birthdays and Christmas time and stuff there, you know, when I was kind of thinking back to things, there were there were many like many times where some part of the gifts we were giving them were things that had to do with um with art of some kind and, and when i talk about art i'm not just talking about you know drawing or painting that just you know it could be other things too but even legos. you know legos totally legos could be um artistic i know our oldest our oldest kid um was f- um from an early age he would build the thing that you know, you buy a Lego set for a thing and then he would take it apart and then he would build all kinds of other things. And, and as he got older and older and more interested in like an architectural mind and an engineering mind, I mean, he was still, he still enjoyed trying to come up creatively and and build all kinds of interesting things. And, um, but, you know, he was the kid that, you know, one time when he was like elementary school age, I think, you know, we got him some origami books, you know, and origami paper. That was one of his gifts. They've gotten, you know, little art sets, paint sets, or books on how to draw. I know he got a book one time on, um, he was showing an interest in trying to draw like little cartoon characters, and we got him a book on how to draw cartoons. And I don't know if it was that book that set him off or what, but he can draw very expressive cartoon like cartoon people and things. And sometimes I'm just amazed how he can just take a pencil and throw some stuff on a paper and you see expression in these little cartoon creatures or people. And there's little pencil marks that show movement in ways that, you know, and I'm so a lot of my artisticness is in music and, um, and um, there's, there's some other ways that I have creativity, but actual drawing is not one of them. That that skipped me. That went through my grandfather. My mom, it skipped me. It went to my kids. I'm more of a stick figure person. <laughs> but my kids can just, you know, two of our kids can, can um, draw, paint, and, you know, make things that I'm just in awe of. And, um, but I think, um, uh, and then my other, and then you have got our youngest who, any instrument he picks up, he can figure out how to play. And, um, I mean, he's a kid that was like, I think I'm going to learn how to play guitar now. And by the end of the weekend, he was playing <laughs> songs, you know? And, um, anyway, it's but just,
1: you, you, you got a really good point in there though. When you talk about giving them tools, sometimes that's a, a material, it's a pencil, it's a, it's a, a paint set. Right. But sometimes it's a skill. And so you, you have to, you have to look at that and say, okay, you're, you're interested in drawing people here. Here's a book on, or we'll we'll put you in a, in a class. And it might be a one-time, a one-time seminar type of thing um, with an artist. Hey, let's, let's learn how some of these techniques for shading or for, you know, how to, how to show motion in your cartoons. And then all of a sudden it unlocks that ability for the kid to be creative independently (laughs) because, you know they've they've learned how to how to do the how to how to express themselves with the the skill that's there, and I think that's something that we we often forget is that you can't just immediately jump out and be free. You have to you have to build the skills up to a level to to so that you can uh, show that independent creativity.
0: And then also when they're showing any of that creativity, it's so important as parents to celebrate that. You know, yes. just by you having your children's art on display in your house, you never have to say a word. That is, that's willing to take up surface area in my house. That is celebrating it, and it shows value. It shows value, and, and ultimately, it's because. It's not because the art is the artist behind it. Even if the art's great, this holds nothing compared to the image bearer who made it. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's interesting that you say that because that's one of the things that our daughter said as we were talking about this, you know, earlier this week, she's like, yeah. And you, you kept some of our stuff and displayed it and put it on the refrigerator, put it on the walls for, for a while. And, you know, they made so much stuff that, you know, it didn't tend to stay up for very long. Um, But it did show value. And, and and that's one of the things I would not have predicted that, that, impacted them
0: and, and if you're a parent and you have young kids I bought my wife this for Christmas it's really cool you can get them on Amazon you know how your kids like draw you stuff at school and church and on the sheets of paper there's these frames and every time your kid brings you home another drawing you just slip it down to the front of the frame it'll hold like a hundred So every week, it's just the art's constantly rotating. And then you got to, yeah, it's just, it's really simple. It looks like a picture frame, but it's specifically made to hold, you know, the square sheet of paper that your kids would do. But just having having that displayed is important and allowing your kids the freedom to be artistic. Mm -hmm. So my dad, he, he used to be on the side, he videoed weddings before I was born. I didn't know this. But he had bought a camera. So this was back in like 94, 95. And it was the big VHS cameras. And I just remember getting that camera, which was very expensive back then. And my dad's like, you want to use it? Use it. And I just started recording stuff. And it's so funny because they're really bad. It's funny. (laughs) Oh, gosh. If that got out, I would cancel myself. (laughs) (laughs) But one one night, I remember... I was down the hall playing with my friends and my dad's friends were down the hall and everyone's laughing. I'm like, why are y'all laughing? I go down there, they're showing my tape laughing Aww. and it was really embarrassing. But looking back on it, I'm like, you know, now I video weddings and I think like that little bit of, you know, affection and appreciation went a long way. So But uh, uh, so that's that's kind of where we just wanted to take this conversation today is we want to encourage you get involved in your child's artistic life. Don't let it be. It's such a it's such a fun way. It doesn't have to be awkward. It's a way you could show support that you almost always get a return of investment when you show support in this area. And when you do it with your child or, or honor it, you're literally pouring into the image bearer of God.
2: And, you know, something else that I just thought I would throw out there, because um, there's even, there's so many different ways that you can, um, you know, intentionally sneak some some art exposure or practice into things. I mean, there's even games. I know uh, when I was a kid growing up, there was a, a game, I think it was Parker Brothers, I think was the brand, but it was a game called Masterpiece. And it literally was an auction game where you were bidding on you know you had money kind of like monopoly money but and you were bidding on on art and there was like instead of like cards or something that you might shuffle a deck and put in the middle these were um larger you know glossy cardstock cards with famous artwork on them and the information about the artist and when it was painted and what the name of it was was on the back and you're um randomly it's they're randomly being matched with art values and um you know, nobody knows what the art value is until you auction and you buy it, and then you get to you get to look on and see how much that art is really worth. And you're trying to, you know, pay less and so. But the point is, is that you're it's a fun game, but your kids are getting exposed to actual art. And there's another game um, that's, I mean, for that one you'd probably have to go look on eBay or something because it's long been out of print. But we we actually have two copies of it. But there's um there's another game called Telestrations which you can get at Walmart or, I mean, that's a, that's current available now and it, it involves drawing and it's, it's just a fun, there, there's fun games that you can, that you can get to help encourage some of that creativity and just have them having good memories and good experiences combined with, with, you know, the arts.
0: And combine art with stuff you like too, you know, like, you in our house our kids don't call it art they call it crafties
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like i
0: bought a whole bunch of ninja turtle crafties for christmas so yeah. they're like painting ninja turtles yes. But but getting involved in, you, you will not um regret that in the long haul so well hey let's go ahead and let's talk about what we talked about in church this week because wow that's all yes. i'm gonna say
2: <laughs> i feel like i say that every week
0: what well, you know how stop and just take a break like how blessed are we to be able to say that? I, I feel blessed. like we've been, uh, I feel like we're in the all-stars and like the team is just knocking it out every week. And, yes. um, I'm so like, I take so many notes and I'm, and I've loved just pulling stuff in our life. And the next couple weeks we're spending on, th- on six verses, right? Is it six or nine? I, six. Six verses. six verses. Yeah. Psalm 23. And I love this because, uh, first of all, I've actually never heard a series on Psalm 23. Be, you know, a lot of us, we memorize it when we're kids. So you mm-hmm. just check that box. We got mm-hmm. it. But um, today, you know, we went through just the first couple of verses. And he Dan just mined so much goodness yes. out of there. Um, so that being said, we, we we start off with the illustration of our shepherd. And as, as we kind of lead into that, it's really easy for me to, you know, be like, okay, he's a shepherd. This is David using an illustration that he knows but I also just think about the nature of what a shepherd does. And with his sheep, who are rotten and nasty and dumb, it's like, I don't think the Bible <laughs> is intentionally trying to insult us.
2: I was going to say, I feel true. called out, don't It's Mark. just <laughs> true,
0: right? It's just true. And um, he talks us how he leads us beside still waters. And there are three big three big things that are happening as he leads us by these still waters. And uh I would encourage you, this is a sermon I would encourage you to listen to. You can listen to it on YouTube. You can go to harmonychurchsumter.com or .org and you can, you can hear it. But the first thing it says that, how do we know if we are resting in the Lord, if we are being fully satisfied in him, if he is our good shepherd is that he is calling us to rest.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge. If there's, if there's anything that our society needs right now, it's, it's rest, right? And the ability to do that. And, and just for the, the hope that's in here that, that our God and, and, and Dan started off talking about how, Oh, you know, there's what 17 personal pronouns in this, you know, everything, the Lord is my shepherd. This is, this is, this is a, 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 a statement of God's relationship to me as an individual, to you as an individual and and what he wants for us, you know, the, the way he wants to relate to us. And so when it says, you know, God is my shepherd and he does all these things, that means he wants us to be in that rest. He wants us to have that kind of relationship with him. And and that is, I mean, that's mind-blowing.
0: And I I really like that he pointed out, you know, shepherd, um, resting is the enemy of being busy, right? And the things that keep us from that rest is uh, is fear, conflict. They have parasites and flies and hunger. And those are the things, and like how easily transferable those are to our walk. You know, what are the things that keep us from resting? I know fear, anxiety, um, but also like if you think about just us, if we are, you know, our father who rested, right? Even after, after, he, after God made everything, you know, there was that day of rest. He even modeled it for us. Yet, how often am I even guilty of not participating in the thing he modeled?
1: Yeah. It's so, it is so, so easy to, to get busy, to, to not rest. Um, and just a quick call back to what we were talking about in the first segment where we were talking about art, you know, one of the things about, about reaching into art and nature and, and you can see it here in Psalm 23, right? He's talking about, you know, he's talking about still waters and green pastures. There's these, these nature, uh, you know, imagery, uh, this nature imagery that's in there. And, and that's something that you can't just get that in, in a moment. You can't take a snapshot of, you know, peaceful, still waters and go, Oh, I get that. You kind of have to sit in it for a little bit. You got to sit there and look at it. You got to experience that for a bit of time. And so you have to rest and, and be, and be in here. And, and what God is promising is that he's going to be able to take away our fear. He's going to be able to take away, you know, those things that distract us away and, and prevent us from resting.
2: I really like how um, he was talking about the fact that the sheep were laying down in green pastures and, you know, what do sheep normally do in green pastures? They're eating the yummy green grass, right. you know, and if a sheep is in the middle of a green pasture laying down, um, It means that he's satisfied. He has everything that he needs and he can just lay down and just be there.
0: And if you think about it, that's when you are completely satisfied, that's when you can rest. You know, it shouldn't be once we're ragged out and exhausted. Actually, when you're tired at the end of the day's work, there should be a level of satisfaction that you're tired because you know you worked hard, which kind of butts up to something that maybe you've struggled with. I do. Any other guilt rest? you know, where you're resting and you feel guilty because you feel like you should be working? All
1: the time.
2: Yes, and it's something that, you know, I know that's very convicting for me, and um, I sometimes when I recognize that I'm, you know, making excuses for why I have to do a little more work, you know, (laughs) and then I'm like, hmm, this seems to be a pattern. Um, Maybe I need to have a little more, you know, some more boundaries because, you know, I own, you know, I own my own business. And so sometimes it's one of the things about that is you're, it's never really totally turned off. Right. You know, there's always something you can think of that you could be working on. And, um, I know for me, it's hard for me to, um, if I'm done with one thing, my my mind's already like, well, there's this other thing. There's, there seems to always be something hanging over my head, even if it's in the future that, well, I could get a start on that too. And, um, so sometimes I have to remind myself, no, you just need to rest and it's okay to, to not. And sometimes I've had to actually, I know this might sound weird or maybe you guys can relate. I've had to um, sometimes to redirect myself back into remembering it's okay to rest and you don't have to feel guilty about it. I I will schedule out a day and schedule times, like this is the time frame where I'm going to work on, you know, this type of thing. And this is a type of time of day where I might work on cleaning up some stuff. And this is a, but this is a part of the day where I'm going to work on, this is going to be my, this is leisure and this is resting, or this is, you know, reading God's word or something, you know, I'll Sometimes when I can put that out, it gives me the freedom to say, this isn't me being irresponsible. This is me. This is my scheduled like time for rest, which may sound weird. But if you're, if you're finding yourself in a situation where you're recognizing you're kind of having difficulties resting, sometimes you might have to transition (laughs) by doing something like that.
0: You know, a couple things I would just submit as well is, One of the keys to resting guilt-free is work. Like, when you're working, work. Get the work done. So that way, when you're resting, you're like, no, I worked today. I earned this. Um, But also, there are some of you kind of like me, you love what you do. Like, I Friday was one of my best days in months I had. I'm teaching hermeneutics to a student at breakfast. Like, that's like a drug, right? And then I met with a young adult, for coffee to talk about life. And then afterwards I met with another student and I I got full, Right, also that's draining. Well, Saturday I wake up and I've been wanting to grab some, some lunch with a guy in our church for some time. And he texts me at like 10 on Saturday. And he's like, you want to get lunch today? And I just, that little guilt thing is like, oh, that's your, you've been working on it. And then, and then it just hit me, especially knowing where we're going in our conversation. I'm like, I can't be like, I had super hypocrite, but it was like, Hey man, can we catch it later? Like I really wanted to, but I was like, the last thing my wife needs right now is me leaving the house on a Saturday. And, and I think that's a fair point too. If we're not resting your children and your spouse, they need you to rest. Cause if you, um, if you burn it at both ends and that's all you model in front of your kids, what are you raising? Mm-hmm. You're raising yeah. kids who are going to have depression and anxiety. They're going to be overworked. They're going to not appreciate their life. Maybe have some savings that they never touch because they work. And then, you know, one last thing I would just say in regards to rest is if if your job does not allow you to rest or there are certain jobs, even in churches, they you feel guilt taking off, if you can't resolve that issue, it's big enough where you need to figure that out. Right.
2: Maybe that's not the job for you. <laughs> exactly. That's
0: kind of what I'm getting at.
1: Well, and I think... The, the principle from the from the sermon today that I think relates very strongly to that is this idea that God has given us what we need which is yes. not always what we want right um, we were kind of talking about that in a separate context um, earlier this week but but God has given us he, he gives us what we need and so we can we can rest in that I don't have to continually strive to to make and do and, and earn because he's given me what i need now that means i have to be willing to be satisfied in what he's given me and that might be different than my desires Mm. which goes back to last week's sermon right where we were talking about uh, interpersonal conflict and it, it comes from our desires and our wants and things that are that are unsatisfied so i have to i in one sense i have to learn to rest in that and this is this has been difficult for me at times in my life right to, to, to rest in the place where God has put me today you know trusting that he's put me here trusting that I'm in this you know that I'm in this mm. situation I'm in this position um, for for a reason and then I can I can have confidence and and um, be able to just maybe not relax and and rest in that sense but to but to be to be satisfied and to to, to rest in that um and and to know that, that God, that I'm right where God wants me to be
0: a hundred percent. Because what I think I hear you saying is that there are seasons where you're just busy and you know, you should be resting. But for this season, you know that you're going to have to crank it up to 11 and that, but we need to be doing that with the understanding that there is a resting coming. It's it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. It's when you don't have that hope of renewal later um, that, you, you really can push into the anxieties and the things that come with being burnt out. Which brings us to the next thing he said is, he says, the second thing our shepherd does in our life, he, he says in scripture, you know, he restores my soul. And I loved his illustration because Dan actually went and found source material on Psalm 23 written by a shepherd. And the whole concept behind this restoring my soul, this renewal is like, sometimes sheep can actually fall over in the field. I didn't know this. And they're like turtles. They can't get back <laughs> over and they just lay there until a wolf comes and eats them. And sometimes uh, the renewal, those sheep fall over because of two things. The first is they're too comfortable, right? And they're just, they're they're so satisfied. They're not really paying attention and then they fall. Or, or the other one was um, abundance. They get too fat. And they waddle around and, <laughs> and you're laying upside down, and the whole concept is the shepherd. When he sees that, he knows that sheep is dead, unless he does something about it. And that's the power that God has in our lives, as our shepherd, is he brings us that that renewal.
1: And I think that's that's really it's really interesting because there's a little bit of a paradox in there from the last thing because God's given us what we need. He puts us in these places of abundance. He puts me in green pastures. You know, beside the water, a place where I can get the 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 food and the drink that I need. He 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 puts me in those places. But if I'm too comfortable, if I get too comfortable in that, I forget to rely on him. And so we have to live in that. We have to live in that balance that says God has given me what I need, but at the same time, I have to continue to rely on Him to to continue to provide that. I can't just be yeah. fat, dumb, and happy there because I end up you know flapping around on my
0: back. Because if you're not, then you do become comfortable. I was talking to a youth pastor. Y'all know him. Y'all love him too. He's he he left his position years ago, and I asked him why, and he said, "To be honest, Del, is because I could do it, and it wasn't. It was. It had become my strength, and much respect because he chose a life that's a lot more difficult than what he's doing now. But it's like." The fact he could have stayed and cashed in, he realized this. And I think that would be the encouragement today, especially if you're a parent. Where are you comfortable as a parent? Because that might be a place where we need to shake it up, where we need to have an awkward conversation with our child that we never had. I can't tell you how many parents um, have come to me and they're like, hey, we thought everything is fine until it wasn't. We're, we're in that comfort. And I've even gone through that with my child. You think you're in a good season you don't know what they do and you're leaving the room to their little brother, you know? Aww. So, it, it, it is important and one of the warnings that we received today in the sermon this was so good. I'm probably going to steal it. I'll give Dan credit. But it's the whole thing. You know, I've seen so many times on movies where there's shepherds in the field and I've seen the shepherd carrying a sheep around his neck. I never knew what that was about. But What that's about is if there's a sheep that keeps going astray, there are times when that shepherd will actually chase that sheep down, break its leg, and then the shepherd will carry that sheep, the full weight of that sheep until its leg heals. And the sheep knows the shepherd will go out of his way to carry me. I'm not going to stray anymore. And how many times in our life, have we incurred things is because the Lord is like, well, I got to snap something because you keep running away.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, that is, that's a, that's a, a harsh lesson to have to think about. But at the same time, you know, it shows that love, you know, what, what if that, if that shepherd doesn't do that discipline on the, on the sheep, what happens to the sheep? Well, he falls down a cliff. He falls in the water and drowns. He gets eaten by a wolf. Right. You know, something happens that is much, much worse than the temporary pain of a broken leg and the inconvenience of not being able to, to to bounce around for a while. But once the once the sheep comes back into, you know, the appropriate relationship with the shepherd in obedience, that's when the sheep then again has freedom to to do what what he wants to do.
0: And what a what a great easily transferable thing to us who have been shepherded by our good father as we shepherd our children. I am not saying you should go club your kid's knees. All right. I'm not saying you should, you know, snap your kid's (laughs) legs, but there is a level of, we are supposed to discipline, but like the good shepherd, once they're disciplined, we're with that child, right? We're with them, helping them, be back on the path of righteousness. Because if he just breaks his leg and leaves him, well that's a horrible shepherd, right? right? Right. Um, but what does he do? He carries him and, and there's so many times when you discipline your children that uh that you it's actually in those moments that they need you to carry them because they don't know you just you just inflicted pain on them. And if you just walk away, they're like, Why did that happen? Right. You need, yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, just dis- the point of discipline isn't just to say, you did something wrong, here's your consequence. The point of discipline is to help restore and to correct and to to help bring them back where they're supposed to be. And right, if you're just if you're just handing out a, some kind of discipline or some harsh discipline or something, and then and the whole the whole takeaway your kid gets from that is, I did something wrong, and this was my punishment. Um, and there's no there's no love, and there's no bringing them back in, and 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 showing them, you know, that your the discipline is coming from a place of love, not from a place of, you know, anger, frustration, and you know, and punishment. Um, in the same way, like God disciplines those He loves, so that we learn to rely on Him, and. And grow our faith in him
0: you know it's very interesting as as he disciplines us in love and if we look at the picture of the shepherd carrying the sheep at that point how many he's carrying that sheep the other sheep are not getting carried at that moment it's it's there is a special tenderness that comes with discipline that we would be very good to not overlook and there's tenderness and discipline from the Lord as well um and, and he does that as our shepherd, and it's all stemming from one thing, and and it's coming from the third aspect of this, our good shepherd. It's in verse three. What does he call us to? Righteousness, right? And let's just be honest. It's only because of this righteousness that he that he does renew us, and that he does help us rest. And I just absolutely love, you know, the the two types of righteousness. There's the positional righteousness that you are a child of God, by virtue of that, you have access to the King. You have the righteousness of Christ, your filth is gone. But then there's also the practical righteousness. There's the righteousness that's working out in us every day through our sanctification and becoming more like God and in our disposition. So as we as we go about faithing, if you will, and carrying out our righteousness, um, how how do you see this translating to both us as children of God, but also those with children?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of what we talked about uh, a minute ago, and I think uh, April, when you said that about you know discipline is about restoration. I mean, that's just that's just a key. You know, restoration to what? Well, restoration to this path of righteousness and. You know, it's, it's understanding that there is a way that, that God needs us to behave to become more like Him. And that, that in that, uh, when we become more like Him, we manifest His glory. And I think the way Dan said it is when, when we, well, because the, the verse is, He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake, right? So it's not, um, you know, it's not just so we follow the rules. It's because it brings glory to God. Because when we uh, structure our behavior when we structure our lives to be uh, in in line with 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 God's righteousness, it allows God's glory to manifest more fully in his creation throughout because we're we're behaving properly towards each other we're behaving properly towards our children we're behaving properly towards you know uh, just nature and I think as parents when we we, you know, one, we model that behavior and, and organize our lives towards righteousness. And then we help train our children intentionally towards that same righteousness. And we bring everything in line and it, it, it brings things into, into harmony, into better harmony with one another, better harmony with God. And, and it brings glory to his name as we do all of those things.
0: And man, that is so good because I was even listening to a thing and, I commented this one pastor this week was talking about like how to get God to look at you. You need to worship him in a way he's never seen before. And I wasn't rude, but I was like, that's not God, whatever (laughs) you're talking about, you're not going to catch him off guard. And he's like, you want him to delight? You want to delight God, you know, worship him in a new radical way. I was like, no, Mm -hmm. if you want, if you want to delight God, scripture is very clear. God is delighted in glory, right? Like in glory, when we are so obedient that it doesn't, if he could be caught off guard, he still wouldn't, right? (laughs) Like that's, Mm -hmm. even though he can't, like he wants that pure, like what you just said, Robert, is so true. Like that's what he wants in us and our family. He wants us to glorify him through the way we are satisfied in him to the point where we're rested, we're renewed, we're righteous in both the way we're living in the world, but in our homes as well.
1: And I think that's a that's a key thing that's in there and and i want everybody not to miss this it's not that we are glorifying him and it's going to be a struggle for us and we're always going to be you know just uh, trying to do that because it's hard work no i mean we when we glorify him our lives function better because we are more at peace with the way the universe is supposed to function. Yeah. And so when we are bringing him glory, that is actually when we are the most fulfilled. That's when our lives are the most structured, when our lives are the the the, the most when we're the most creative, like we talked about before.
2: That that actually um, gets back to, you know, one of the things that Dan had said in his sermon was one of the, one, I think for him, one of the big takeaways he wanted everyone to go away with, which was when I'm full of God's presence, I don't feel compelled to chase after things that don't satisfy. That was awesome. And yeah, that was what I wrote in my, my little big point of the day circle that I have in my, in my journal. But, um, you know, when we, and you know, even he talked about when we, when we trust in God, eat, it's one thing to trust in God when it makes sense and when everything seems to be going the way you want. But when you trust in God, even when it doesn't make sense, when when hard things come your way and you say, even though this happened, even though I'm going through this thing, I'm still going to trust God. He's um, like, the world sees this and they they see a difference in you and you're able to testify to the glory of God to the world when you, you know when you trust in him, no matter what comes your way.
0: Yeah. And when we're fully satisfied, that's when we can trust him. It's this weird thing because it's, it it seems like it's, it's counterintuitive, but like giving it up is how we receive the rest. So, you know, ultimately our hope today is that for anyone listening right now, there's parents listening right now um, who's Something their child has just entered a phase of life they were not expecting, and and it's not it's not been easy. But what we know in Scripture it is, you have everything you need in Christ. You have it all, right? Some of us right now you're in a really great season, and the encouragement we get from this text is this: don't become comfortable, <laughs> right? right. Um, it it is a matter of being with God, which is an active daily thing, relying on Him. But not becoming too comfortable in Him, in your reliance upon Him. It's it's a it's a balance. But we hope that this has been encouraging for you today. It's been encouraging for me because, especially that game. I want to go try that game out with my kid. Illustrations. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good. It's so, so fun. So that's good. So, anyways, it's been good being here. We hope that this week is a harmonious week for you. My name is Delmar. I'm Robert. And I'm April. Take care. This is Living in Harmony.